Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Well, I'm excited to be up here today um, and to, to unpack the word and to really um, learn with you as God teaches us. And so um, if, you're, if you're looking for where we're going to be, you can turn to Matthew 6, um, verse 25. That's where we're going to be today. Um, and we're going to look at the words of Jesus. And, and it's going to be in what he calls, um, or what's called the Sermon of the Mount, um, known as his kind of like CD release party. It was kind of like his big, his big party that everybody came to know him. Um, but before we get there, have you guys ever exchanged th- something? You know, gone somewhere and exchanged something for something in return. And you know, in those, in those circumstances, sometimes it turns out well and sometimes it turns out not so well. You know, if you're a younger sibling, the exchanges usually don't turn out too well. The, the older, I'm watching this happen, as my oldest daughter seems to somehow swindle the younger daughters out of what they want to give them something else. I remember when I was in um, grade 12, I was uh, studying and trying to do my best. Not really, but I was doing goodish. And I remember I had a really hard time with English. English and science were really hard for me because you can't fake English and science. You just actually have to work hard. You actually have to write your, your essays and you actually have to memorize really long words. It's just how you, that's, that's, that's how it works. And so for, for me, I just was like, man, I got to find a shortcut to this. I got to figure this out. I remember for English, I, I had my exam and we were in a smaller school. I won't tell of it because I'm, I'm not sure if this is legal or not, and I don't want to lose my high school diploma. So um, <laughs> here we are. I finally get word. I finished my exam, didn't do too well on it. Um, I finally found out that my grade for grade 12 English was 69%. And I thought, that's devastating. I need to be in the mid-70s for my average, my maths are high, my English are low, I gotta, I gotta meet in the middle or my, my parents are gonna kill me. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how can I, ex- what can I exchange for my studying? No, that won't help. Um, it's already too late now. So I go, I know, I know this, I know this teacher loves donuts. So I'm not lying. Again, I'm not gonna tell you the school I went to. I went to Tim Hortons, got a dozen donuts, paid for it, and left a note with the donuts on his desk and said, I hope you feel a percentage better today, Alex Smethurst. (laughs) Two months later, or whatever it is, I get my report card, boom, 70%. I'm like, this is amazing. Again, I'm not telling you what school I went to. You don't need to know, because I'm pretty sure my high school diploma would be void. But isn't it, isn't it true? Haven't we all been in that place where we have, we have exchanged something, maybe not for a better mark? Oh, Janet's shaking her head. She's a teacher in the house, and she's like, that is not right. <laughs> you know what? God gives gifts of all different kinds to people. <laughs> Mine was negotiating. See? So good. Thank you, Lord. But we, 
We do, we exchange things. And we've all been in that situation where we exchange something. And so often I think when we think about kingdom exchange, when we think about going to God, we think about the way that I convinced my teacher to have mercy on me. And we have to go there with some sort of donuts so that he will feel a percentage better towards us and it will turn out good for us. And we just hope that it happens that way. It's actually not an exchange like that. It's actually like a good older sibling who has the worst toy and you, you want to get what that person has or has the best toy, I'm sorry, and actually is willing to give you it in turn for what you have. See, you have very little and Jesus is the one who exchanges so much with us and he takes all the garbage. That's the point of the cross. See, the cross was it took all of our garbage, all of our nothing, all of our striving, our sin, and he exchanged it so we can live in him, in his righteousness, in his hope, in his fullness. This is good. This is good news for us that we actually have exchanged. If you've come in here and you are heavy with burdens, you are overwhelmed by failure, you are overwhelmed by what you think needs to be done, there is good news that the exchange has happened already at the cross. All we have to do is receive it. And so let's look at the passage today. Turn with me to Matthew 6, 25. I'm gonna be reading from the New Living Translation. It's gonna be behind me as well. That is why I tell you, now Jesus is speaking. This is a big sermon. I mean, this is like groundbreaking stuff. He is going on top of things. He is changing everybody's understanding of what the kingdom is. Um, the number one message of Jesus is the kingdom is near or the kingdom is here. And so he comes in and he says this. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in a barn. For your heavenly father feeds them. And, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they? Can all your worries, hear this, let's, let's, let's sit in this. This is the words of Jesus. Can all your worries, I know we're in church right now, right? So we don't have that many. Let's, let's talk to the, the, the 4 a.m. Alex that has all this, right? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they, sorry, and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously 
and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I've, I have two challenges and two problems with this passage. One comes just so almost like a reflex. You know, it's like someone saying to you, hey, don't look over there. Yeah, we all look over there, <laughs> right? And then it's like Jesus saying to you, hey, don't worry. If you're like me, then I start thinking, oh, all of those things that I shouldn't worry about. Oh yeah, here comes the list. Oh, now I shouldn't worry about not worrying. And now I'm worrying about worrying. And now I'm disappointing God that I'm worrying about worrying that I'm about worrying. And now I'm worried. And now I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. Anyone else? This is, this is how I, I just spiral and I'm all, and when somebody says, don't worry, it's just like, that's really helpful because I'm trying not to, but you just said it and brought it to my attention. And now I'm trying not to think about it, but I am worrying. And so it's so hard because Jesus, you know, there's 10 verses here and he, nine of them are about not worrying and that you do worry and that you shouldn't worry. You're like, Jesus, this is not helping. You're actually bringing it like focus. It's really hard for me. I'm really trying not to worry, but you are actually, by telling me not to worry, I am actually worried. But that's not really the problem, right? Because the truth is, is that I don't, I'm not worrying because someone's telling me not to worry. The worry is much deeper than that. The worry in my life is built on the things that I am afraid of. See, the, the worry that I, that I think of when Jesus says, don't worry, are the things that I already try to hide. And the truth is, is that I'm just, I'm not not worrying because I have I have an answer to the worry. It's actually, I'm not worrying because I'm self-medicating myself. And so Jesus does this great thing where he actually says, stop it. You are worrying behind all of your activity. Don't worry. You're like, whoa, I was trying to hide behind all this stuff. And Jesus says, don't worry. And so the problem is, is that, you know, it's not that he said, don't worry. The real problem is that if you're like me, I rely on me more than I rely on him. I rely on my salary more than I rely on him. I rely on my place in life more than I rely on him. I rely on my insurance policy more than I rely on him. I rely on my relationships, my networking, my whatever put in your place we rely on those things more than we rely on God. So what's the answer? I love it. Jesus gives us nine verses of don't worry. And then he gives us the answer. In verse 33. And if you spend any time in church, you know it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else or in older traditions or more... more um, Literal translation, it will say, seek first the kingdom and he will give you everything you need. Jesus is, is literally saying, all these things you worry about, you're wasting your time. 
Because if you seek the kingdom, I'll give you those things. You're doing it backwards. You're seeking these things. You should be seeking me, and I provide those things. But you know that before we can even get into that, believe it or not, that's my next week's message. Before we can even get there, before we can seek the kingdom of God, we have to ask ourselves this question. Do you trust God? Because let's be honest, right? If I say, seek first the kingdom of God, and here are the steps to seeking the kingdom of God, are you really going to go through three steps when you are spiraling down into worry if we don't trust God? See, the foundation of, of the question of if we're going to worry or seek God is do you trust God? When everything around you tells you that things are falling apart, can you press pause and seek God? Well, the question you have to answer is, do you truly trust him? I love it. When you look up that, that original word, um, when you look up the original word in the Aramaic, it would have been written in um, Greek, but it would have been spoken in Aramaic. Um, it literally, when it's properly translated, means this. Apart as opposed to a whole. That's what the word worry means. Apart, so apart as opposed to a whole. What a great description of what happens to me when I worry. Does anybody else feel like they're divided? Like they're distracted, like they actually can't accomplish anything because worry is, this is, why, this is why in the night at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., this is why we feel because we can't actually think and process it properly. So we are just spiraling into that worry. Or maybe for you, it's not, it's not necessarily worry, but that word actually translates also into anxiety. See, we have a real crisis in our culture of anxiety. And anxiety and fear and worry, they're in the same thing. It's that we spiral. And the real question is, what are we trusting? Are we trusting something that never changes regardless of the storm that rages around us? Or are we trusting in the things that change and that can actually fall apart? Let me just be really honest with you today. We're uh, not, not, this is gonna sound weird, but we're potty training our two-year-old, almost three-year-old, and she's killing it. She's awesome um, because she decided to. She's so headstrong. But um, at you, if you don't know this, I never knew this. Um, I just do what my wife tells me. I still don't really know. I just kind of listen to her. And so at 10, 10, 10 p.m., you have to wake up your child, take them to the potty, and then they have to do their business. Um, and so this is really interesting for me because at this moment, all these fears rise up in me. I go into my daughter's room. They have bunk beds. Go onto the bottom. I pick up my daughter, who's, I mean, she is like, she sleeps like me and is like totally out. How many, how many good sleepers do we have? Like once you put your head down, you're like in a different world. Somebody tries to wake you up, you are like a sleeping zombie. All the moms are like, yeah, thanks, no. Nope. Um, and so literally I wake her up and she is out of it. And she, I have to be like, hey baby, it's dad, it's dad. 
It's dad. Because at the first little while, I just picked her up because my other one, you could just pick up and she'd be fine. So I pick up Addie and she'd be like, <laughs> like freaking out like somebody's stealing her. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna change this. I rub her back. Hey, it's dad. Pull the she back. Okay, it's dad. Okay, it's dad here. I'm gonna lift you up. And it seems to be working better. And then I put her on the potty. She does her business. She's awesome. And then, no lie, I sit on the, on the, on the tub and I think, three girls. Yeah, if you want to pray for me, you totally can do that. Um, But I think her vulnerability reminds me of my vulnerability. And I think, oh man, I don't know that I am qualified to have these girls. How am I going to? And then the list comes. Boom, 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 boom. And I go to bed and I'm like, and, it, and if I'm really honest with you, over the last month, fear and worry has rushed in to my life where if you know me, I don't lose sleep on things. When I get worried, I actually gain sleep. Um, it's, great. it's a great problem to have. Um, but over the last little while, I've been losing sleep over worry and let, and God has been convicting me and asking me, do you trust me? Because if you trust me, it's not about your vulnerability or your weaknesses. If you trust me, it's actually about me. And so today, we look at the the words the Proverbs wrote. He says this, trust in the Lord with all your strength. Lean not on your own understanding. This morning, Jess is like, are you taking those words into, into your own life? I said, yes, I'm trusting him. But do you want to know my understanding? <laughs> In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So here's what this whole passage is about, okay? Cole's Notes version, for those of you who went to school like I did. Actually, the truth is I couldn't even read Cole's notes because they were like 100 pages and I was like, Ugh, 20 pages and I'm like, this is too much reading. <laughs> Don't you have, anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> oh. But here's, here's, here's the Cole's notes version of that whole passage. Don't worry and seek God. But do you ever get like advice like that and you're like, yes, I'm going to do that. I'm not worrying about this exam that's coming up and I don't really know what I need to know or the paper I have to write. I'm not worried about that because I know nothing about it. And tuition, yeah, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I am worried though because I just lost my job, Um, right? Like, or you're like, okay, Seek God. And, and then sometimes you're, you're like, yes, I want to seek God. But even like sometimes sermons are like, yes, motivational talks and let's seek God. And then we leave and we're like, what are you doing this week? Seeking God. Has anything changed? Nope. But I'm doing it. Right? Like this is sometimes what happens when we we. we 
talk this Christianese and we have these great points, right? It sounds really cool. Like this passage is about, don't worry, trust God. Don't worry, seek God. Yes. But I wanna actually give us, if you're like me, I wanna give us three steps to walking out trusting God. Because it's not good enough just to say, you need to trust God, or even looking at myself at 2 a.m. when I'm overwhelmed and I'm feeling like I can't sleep, and I just say, listen here, buddy. You look good, but you need to trust God. And then I just go to sleep because everything's good, right? Like, I don't know if you're like me. That doesn't actually happen. I need actual steps. And so here we go, three steps. They're all ours. So my last, my last uh, pastor in Toronto, he would be really happy. Everything, he had like seven points. They'd all be the same letter. So he'd be really proud of me right now. Three R's. The first is this, realize. Realize that the answer is actually understanding that you are weak. Like actually understanding that your weakness is the answer or the question and Jesus is the answer. It's not a better salary. It's not better insurance. It's not the best school for your kids. It's Jesus. He's our answer. Look at what Paul says. And now if Paul says this, I mean, if he was the one who understood his own weakness, this is a man who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He traveled and probably shared to most planted most of the churches in the New Testament and he is a man that's on fire for God and he is somebody that probably knew more than anyone about scriptures next to Janet, but just shout out Janet. No, but really, he is so big. He, is, he knows so much. He can boast, but here's what he says. My grace is all you need. God's talking to him. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness, in insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. Hear this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, how hard for us to do that. I like to promote my strengths. I like to push forward all the things that I do well. And if I could, if I could, I would just make myself awesome and no one would even see all the bad parts. But Paul says that's actually not the purpose. It's actually for us to identify that we are weak and in that weakness, we actually have strength. Jeremiah writes this. This is what the Lord says. Let's not bo- let's, let not the wise boast in their wisdom or the strong boast in their strength or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts, boasts about this, that they have the understanding to know me. This is the story of Gideon. Gideon is so insecure. God comes to him, tells him he's gonna raise up an army. He raises up the army after he doesn't believe that he will and fights with God about it. And actually then he says, okay, I'll do it. He gets gets 30,000 men and he is feeling good. He is feeling like, yes, I've got an army. I feel like I can do this. And God says, eh, no. 
Too many. It's too many. Are you crazy? That's not too many. God, your addition is off. He says, no, no, no. I need you to know that it's actually not about your strength. It's about my strength. So he strips away to 300 and then they get the victory. This is our life. We need to realize that it's not about our strength. Look, raising your family is not about how how good you are at it or how amazing you are. It's how dependent you are on God. Look, in, a, in the culture we live in, we are swimming upstream, uphill, and with a boulder in the middle. I don't know, but it is, it is, we are going against everything. And if we try to do it in our own strength, we will lose. And the point is that we are not supposed to. We are supposed to be like Gideon and say, if this is what you've given me, I'm going to believe, and I'm gonna have faith to believe that you will show up. This is what we need. Teenagers. God has purpose for you. God has destiny for you. It's not about how much strength you have. It's about your weakness. And in him, you are strong. So first we realize it. And then we're gonna use a word that maybe we don't like so much, even in the church. We need to repent. I need to repent for my self-reliance. For the fact that I actually think that the house I, I live in is, is about the salary I have or the upgrades that I want are about me or the things that I possess or my job or anything is about me, my self-reliance. That is a lie. I love this in Psalms. It says this. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Can we really say this? Do we? You know, when you're, you're in that, that vulnerable state like me, when I, I take my daughter to go potty, when, when I'm in that place and I feel vulnerable and weak, Am I really saying, no, 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 no. All the worries are there. The anxiety is raging. The fear is screaming at me, but I do not trust in chariots. I do not trust in my salary. I do not trust in the whatever I have or the world tells me that I should have. I trust in the name of my God because he has not failed me and he will not fail me. His character is good and I can and will stand upon him alone. And can I maybe say this? In our self-help and self-confident and independent culture, maybe we don't need self-confidence, but we actually need more rooted God-confidence. You look at the scriptures and please tell me where self-confidence comes from it doesn't seem to be rooted in scripture. Here's what scripture says. John 15, five. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Yeah, branches are a great illustration for my greatness. Right? Like I make this joke a lot, but, but like you never walk to an orchard and are like, this is my favorite branch right here. Right here, this is my favorite branch. Produces the best fruit. 
He says this, those who remain in me, this is Jesus talking, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can, you can accomplish something. No, nothing. Apart from me, you can accomplish nothing of worth. And we see this, right? Man, I can't tell you how many people I've sat with and who I try to get advice from and they say, listen, all those things that I strived for when I was young and got, they mean nothing. The people in my life matter. God matters. But so often I strive after this money and this fame and this recognition and, and I realize I can remember this one gentleman who was a mentor to my mentor and he had ALS and he lost so much in the last few years. And I remember his advice through my mentor was do not strive after the things that the world values because now I've lost them all, but I still have joy and I still have my family. What do you say to someone that is dying from ALS and that's their value? They see the world for what it truly is. Another great example is this, John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. He is saying, you are sheep. Now, if you know anything about sheep, this is not another good illustration. I don't feel self-confident about myself when Jesus says, you know, you are a sheep. They are like so dumb. <laughs> like literally, like if there aren't shepherds, there was one sheep that just wandered around and it couldn't get sheared. And so it had, if you've seen it, it's gone viral a little bit a long time ago, but um, it was like, it had like mounds of wool on it because it never got sheared. And actually it says that if, if shepherds aren't there, they'll get stuck and just sit in a bush and just sit there and either starve or a, like a predator will come and it will just be like, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> like it can't actually do anything. This is, what, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you're a branch. Come to me, branches. You're welcome. Also, I wanna let you know that you are sheep. We don't have a, a farming culture, but I'm pretty sure that the disciples were like, that's, that's Peter, that's not me. Peter's, I'm, he's definitely a sheep. I'm more like an orangutan. No, I don't know. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 40, 30 through 31. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not, go, not faint. We need to repent because we are so self-reliant or we think we are self-reliant. Like when my three-year-old, or sorry, four-year-old tells me that she doesn't need my help doing things and I know it's gonna turn out really bad. We need to repent and say, God, we are not, not self-reliant. We are completely reliant on you in every way, shape, and form. You are provider. And I know it's so countercultural where we feel like, icky even saying it, like I feel like saying it, I'm like somehow insulting you, but I'm not because here's the problem. When we are self-confident, what happens when we aren't good enough or strong enough or the answer to our problems? We crumble. 
But when he is everything to us, then the world starts falling apart and we realize that it doesn't matter if the world falls apart because here's who God says I am and here's who God says he is. So the storm can rage, but Jesus, he just needs to stand up and say, be still, and it's done. Oh God, that we would be reliant. We would not be self-reliant, but we would be so dependent on him that we couldn't even make decisions without his voice. And then finally, quickly, we need to remember this. Band, you guys can come up. We need to remember, don't remember that. That was, we need to remember that Jesus is everything. That Jesus is everything. He's all we need. Let's just see three things that he is. Jesus is our savior. In 1 John 10, or sorry, 1 John 4, 10, says this, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Here's good news. If you're in here and you're feeling lost, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling broken, good news. Jesus is your savior. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, even better news. Jesus is your savior. He's everything you need. If you are lost in sin and don't know how to get out of it, if you are lost in depression and don't know how to get out of it, if you are lost in a deep hole and you have no idea how to get out of it, good news, Jesus is our savior and he's made a way. And then next, Jesus is our king. Daniel 7 has this great image. He has, he has this vision. And I'm reading just the end of it. It says this. He has a vision of four, four beasts and a lot going on. And then he says this. In my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with, with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and supreme power. All nations and people of every language worshiped him. His, his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The son of man. Daniel said, I see this, this, this image of a, of a son of man. I don't know who it is. And we know his, Jesus' favorite title to know, be known by and proclaim over himself was son of man. He's identifying with this vision of Daniel and saying, hey, 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 I'm the one that Daniel saw that's sitting on the throne. This is why the Pharisees were so angry at him. You cannot call yourself the son of man. You are saying you sit on the throne beside the ancient of days? Yes, because Jesus is king of kings and he is our king of kings. See, if you know him, if you've accepted him as your Lord and savior and you are a follower of Jesus, you are not just in the church crowd, you are actually in the Jesus crowd and our king is king of kings and he is on the throne with all glory, all, all power, all dominion and his dominion is everlasting. We don't have to worry if our, if our 
walls are gonna fall down. We don't have to worry if the kingdom is gonna fall apart because Jesus is the king above all kings. Every nation will bow before him. And so when we get worried, we lose track of what we are looking at and what we believe in. We need to fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith because he never disappoints us. And then finally, he is God. In, first Col- Col- or in Colossians, it says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He's God. He's everything we need. I believe that God today wants to exchange today in some people's lives. Anxiety, worry, and fear for his trust. So I'm just gonna ask everybody's heads to bow and eyes to close. I'm gonna invite the, worship, or the prayer team up to the front. And I believe that Jesus has freedom today for you. In this last month, I've realized that worry, fear, and anxiety are are crippling and suffocating. And as the definition says, dividing and distracting. But there's good news. That Jesus wants to exchange your worry, anxiety, and fear for his trust. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.